0: what's up tj what's up uh jack jack you are recording artist and uh, and dj them jeans how are you
1: hey stupid <laughs> For our listeners at home right before he chris that's what chris addressed me as and i wanted to keep <laughs> keep that boricua energy going through the intro uh, i didn't want that to go to waste but yeah we are Big day! If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, you're welcome. We have uh, we've worked hard over the last what year and a half now. Mm-hmm. We've got 220 episodes of podcasts in the can. So it's at the top. It's just us and Dax Shepherd.
0: Well, of course, of course we we share we share the top of Mount Kilimanjaro with Dax Shepherd. We actually have a flag that we've planted mm-hmm. right next to his armchair flag. So well, it's nice to come. Chris,
1: of- it's not a flag. It's an anchor.
0: Oh, wow. Thanks to our sponsor anchor. Um <laughs> but yeah, it's we 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 did announce some big news yesterday via our friends at rollingstone.com. We are heading out on the road uh coming to a Didn't shitty Didn't have to ci- say the dot .com part, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> coming to a shitty city near you. No question. Um tickets are available as you're listening to this. They will sell out. Um maybe maybe not Denver, but most of them will sell out, so just just go get those before before they go. We start October 1st. In my hometown of Atlanta, Georgia at the Earl, a place that I haven't been to in 10 years and they just stopped letting people smoke inside probably six months ago. Sorry, TJ. Uh-
1: well, I mean, I I'm sure I'm I'm, I'm going to turn the green room into a brown room, if you know what I mean.
0: Hey, 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 yeah, there we go. You're going to shit all over the walls again? That's going to be, uh, no, no,
1: sorry, yellow room. That's my color of American spirits.
0: Oh, I understand, I understand, I understand. The
1: carton will be waiting. Of
0: course, yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, it's all exciting news, and we are doing a special project with our friends at Jack Jaguar. So we are uh, label mates with Bonnie uh Moses Sumney, Dinosaur Jr. You know, Jason, all joking aside, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> like it's pretty fucked up uh, like pretty fucked up good or well i mean fucked like do, bad or just do, fucked
1: up strange i mean yeah i guess you're right
0: i mean the fact that we have the same booking agent is my bloody valentine how does that make you how does that make you feel
1: if it makes me feel good not nearly as good as it must make you feel but no that's sure. that's
0: true unfortunately scam artists were not interested in booking us so we had to go we had we had to go with high road touring home of wilco phoebe bridgers
1: yeah so yeah my dj career is going to blossom because of this now that i have some proper representation as the festival season yeah exactly yeah ramps up so i'm feeling good about that you can you can hit up high road touring if you want to book me for your you know your natural wine mixer
0: Yeah, your wedding. Let's be real. Uh but um you know there's some there's some there's some sad news today too, Jason. That I want to tackle at the top of the podcast.
1: Something going on with Palestine?
0: No, um Kate Bosworth Kate Kate, Kate Bosworth is getting divorced. <laughs> Kate Bosworth did announce her, did announce her divorce today in a in a beautiful poetic statement on her uh, Instagram. Um, where she said, you know what, their love is growing and changing.
1: Who, who was the boss clapping?
0: <laughs> the boss was clapping this little skinny freak who definitely doesn't work. Um, mm. he feels like, he feels like a scammer. You know what I mean? He feels like a scammer and he will probably, um, I think he's a
1: director. But look, that's look, a look, just sp- because you're tall and skinny and you don't work doesn't mean <laughs> that you're a scammer, Chris. <laughs>
0: Do you know anybody that's tall and skinny cuz I know you're tall but I don't know I mean I don't know about the other stuff.
1: I would I would never I And would, you
0: do work? You do yard work and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I do yard work as well as uh, I'm proficient in typing. I don't know how fast I am. When I
0: think of the greatest typist in history, you definitely come to mind,
1: bro. I could, t- I mean, dead ass. I'm a good, pretty good typer. My only flaw, <laughs> I mean, like I remember when I was like in middle school, I would, I would go to summer school classes mm-hmm. and take mm-hmm. and take typing classes. Then when I was a, when I was a young bull, and I would, they would, they would. Put a sheet over the keyboard and over your hands and you have to do everything.
0: I can do no look. It's like me sight unseen. It's like me walking down Broadway with the Blackberry, bro. I can do no look I'll hit the BBM no look, no errors. Well, I mean anyone
1: can fucking type no look on a Blackberry.
0: Well the problem is that you still put two period you still put two spaces after the period, which I've tried to tell you makes you look stupid. So I I would like you to kind (laughs) of switch that up if you don't mind. Now that we're kinda you know this podcast is getting serious. It would be really nice if you Chris, could. Chris, you're kind so of mad
1: it. that I'm a published non-fiction author all over the <laughs> internet, and you're not. You try yeah, to take me down with these little semi-disses, these little I semicolon. Would, you know, it's, it's not, nothing's going to stick, Chris.
0: No, I know, I know, and I.
1: You know, it does stick, talent. But one thing that I do need <laughs> to work on on my writing, uh-huh. dead ass, Chris. I uh-huh. I actually type too loudly. I I like to. I like to smack those keys and what I like I'm, to
0: yeah. I like to smack the keys too but you have some heavy phalanges <laughs> you know what I mean you have a you have mm. a status finger, if you will. I'm
1: well yeah. hung on the on the f- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on my ex- on all my extremities, Chris. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I do. I do know what you're saying. Yeah, I do. Um, thank you for that. Uh, I got a big I
1: old think- donkey finger swinging. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean, can- brother man?
0: Do you do you make a lot of do you make a lot of errors because you're hitting two oh, keys yeah, by- at once? Oh yeah, yeah.
1: two keys. I'm hitting three, four at a time. These big old hog legs swinging across my macbook pro
0: (laughs) thank god for our friends at grammarly.com for sponsoring the podcast also
1: you're so jealous of my grammarly stats that they emailed me with (laughs) oh you you're in the 97th percentile of people who use unique phrasing and words wow your mind you know i'm like grammarly yeah just because i'm paying you Nine dollars a year, or whatever. Like, you don't have to gas me up.
0: You don't have to gas me up. Yeah, well, that's nice. of them, Though, I think they want to keep you engaged. You know, they have a good retention, user retention. But I, I also have some other. I, you know, R.I.P. to Kate Bosworth's marriage. But I do have some good news. Okay. The Lemonhead, the Lemonheads official account did just retweet the new episode of Band where Yasi and I talk for three hours about the Lemonheads.
1: So all of your years of notice me. <laughs> notice me. notice me notice me evan yeah i mean that's a that's the funny part about evan dando legendary guy legendary name dripping with swag all this cool stuff musical genius but if you remove the dando he's just a guy named evan
0: exactly exactly like much like the the Ballyhood broadway performance uh dear evan hansen you know he, he shares the he shares the Fuck name. Did you just look
1: at this guy's <laughs> trying to get his little grammarly words up, <laughs> much like the ballyhooed Broadway performer. Well,
0: you know I'm going to start running all of our podcast transcripts through Grammarly to get my stats up. That's the that's no my no new, no that's no because no, 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 you're going to
1: be piggybacking onto my shit. Yeah, but you don't. I see what you're doing. Yeah, but they're... they're yeah, I
0: mean I have a plan, but you don't worry about me, dog. I'll, I'll send you the stats. Okay, okay
1: so so Evan. So notice me, Senpai, Evan, retweeted, and that means that he listened to you. No,
0: he definitely did not listen to it. Um,
1: Can the Lemonheads afford, uh, afford a social media manager? Do they even care? I don't think. That seems off-brand for them.
0: I'm, I mean, they have management. I'm sure Dando's not. I mean, Dando's not on. He was on Twitter and Instagram for a while, but now he just makes these freaky YouTube videos. Very mm. cool. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very happy.
1: Like Al Qaeda kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like
0: the, like the Donda live stream, Al Qaeda kind of stuff. Um, but it's, uh, it's been, um, it was a nice journey with Yasi, and, uh, you know, I just, I love the guy. And if you're not familiar with the music, please listen to the show, um, and, and get familiar.
1: Shout out to Yasi. Shout out to Bansplained. Our Broski's over at Spotify, the only. <laughs> dsp that matters <laughs>
0: that's not true but sure
1: you want to talk about platforms baby and we're no we're not talking yeah, about we're on
0: platforms we're not
1: talking about red bottoms neither we're talking about uh uh-uh. fuck apple uh-uh. suck my dick apple no
0: well let's not go that far
1: apple music is trash bro you already know that chris right now now that we're getting paid you can't really talk <laughs> shit on anchor and spotify anymore okay
0: also, shout out to the, the guys over at the Hot Pod newsletter, Jason.
1: These fucking guys, huh? They think they're so hot.
0: Yeah, these guys that talk about podcasting in a paywalled newsletter gave us a sort of, I, I wouldn't say, I would say it was a little backhanded kind of kind of assessment of our business. Would you agree with that, Jason?
1: It was a little back. I mean, I don't know if it was backhanded. I liked backhanded. it. it was, I mean, I liked I've it. read Hot Pod. As a newsletter for a while now and i do check it out for like podcasting news you know you need to learn about all the things going on in the world but
0: no you don't that's not things that are going on in the world that's fucking dorks looking at their dicks i'm good Sorry, on that. The things
1: that are going on in my world and if you don't think my world is cool chris you could kiss my ass <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah they just did a little write-up about how it's like interesting that we signed with uh, an indie music label and we're going on a tour and all these things that are you know, unique for the podcast space compared to most people, obviously many, many different podcasts have done live shows with lots of success, but you know, the touring thing yeah. is starting to come back after COVID, blah, blah, blah. But there, it's not so much, it was a, like backhanded compliments. It was more so a thing that I've seen with, with my, with, with yours and my podcast, but also just other podcasts in general. And I kind of want to talk to our guest about this as well. Cause I think it's mm-hmm. something that's got mm-hmm. a little meat to chew on, but, when you're like publicly like like listening to a podcast is such a private, intimate thing that you have with yourself. You're listening on your headphones. You know, it's not something you gather the bros around and you all listen together and be like, "Oh, that's awesome." And if you do that for this podcast, thank you. But uh, mm-hmm. but when people publicly admit what podcast they listen to, they always sort of have to like attach some type yeah, of qualifier that's to it. That's and it's point. always just it's it's kind of like a fuck Mary kill scenario of like whenever someone asks you like oh what podcast do you listen to and then you like you do the smart one that makes you look good uh-huh. and then you do the other thing that's like yo hey, oh, here's my like guilty pleasure i just love this golf podcast mm-hmm. and then the third one is like something that you know is that you are somehow embarrassed by for whatever reason but you just can't not listen to it for whatever reason
0: that's why i only listen to one podcast that that covers all of those bases thank you joe budden for <laughs> for providing providing me a fuck mary kill that covers all the bases so i don't have to spend my time listening to some boring ass npr shit that i don't want to listen to
1: yeah you know everyone's just like i like the daily of course gotta get my news in you know yeah, the most boring like the podcast daily. ever and then you know i listen to i'm really you know then bill simmons because i gotta list, figure out what's going on with my hoops and then the and then the, uh, the last one is just like, and then I uh, I don't know like I don't think that they're great, but I follow this Q and podcast, and like I just I don't know like I think they just have really good flow and energy.
0: Joe Budden is my Q podcast, coincidentally, so that's kind of funny how that works. But we do we do have a guest say uh, a, a fellow Beechwood Canyon resident, Rosecrans Baldwin. Um, you may be familiar with his work, uh, from the Gentleman's Quarterly magazine. Shout out to Will. Shout out to Will. Shout out to Sam. Shout out to Noah. Shout out to Rachel. Uh, but the, she's, uh, hey, Rose, Rosecrans has written, uh, many books, actually. Um, but the, his newest one is Everything Now, Lessons from the City State of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of like an interview heavy, like reportage about LA. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a, an interesting take on, on your hometown. Um, but he also started something called the morning news, which was kind of like the triple OG link out in like 99. Mm-hmm. So basically the, the blueprint for what like the public announcement newsletter would like strives to be. It was
1: public announcement when Chris was in fucking diapers. This dumbass.
0: I was probably in a sweaty basement, but yeah, diapers is, is
1: you're, you just finished graduating from high school or not not graduating exactly <laughs> uh you know your balls just dropped a boy was becoming a man and this guy was like mm, yeah I'm, I'm over here doing links that are going to change i'm the world. sending links i'm sending, I'm links, sending links out, sending out web
0: 1.0 1. 1. but the most interesting thing about about is his he's a big tennis player and he he um you know i, I went back today he he interviewed Federer for the cover of GQ. He's done a lot of tennis stories, but he's also done a lot of participatory journalism, which is a genre I love. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the GOAT, George Plimpton, and something that I strive to do. uh, He's been thrown, he he throws himself into these situations and makes the best of it. And then, you know, write seven thousand words about it.
1: That's Chris's wheelhouse right there. That
0: is my wheelhouse. Uh, so the work
1: that Chris did at the goop conference, so important.
0: Yeah, yeah. When I laid it all on the line underwater with those fucking Blue Lives Matter guys, uh, <laughs> I don't you know, I, I did that for three hundred dollars so that you guys could be entertained. <laughs> and I want you to remember
1: that. Oh, that's my favorite shit too. I love that stuff. It's the best. Emerging. It's it's hard for a guy like me to kind of fit in, you know, camouflage, go in unseen being so tall and hunky they're like who is this guy he's obviously not
0: all right well look let's give let's give rose grant a, a, a jingle you
1: got it the cran man in the building what the fuck is up what's really good baby
2: oh i am uh, i'm so hydrated right now oh. i woke up really unhydrated but i um, are you guys familiar with the sports product noon N U U N.
0: Oh, I'm familiar with the hydration tablets. Don't don't even get me started.
2: <laughs> no, I've no, I've never heard of that. I only drink ladder. He,
0: get, he gets those at the Gelson's. He gets those at the Gelson's down here on Franklin.
1: Jason must be nice money bags.
2: It's a pricey item, but it really brings me a sense of contentment. <laughs>
1: That's what my chick says about Laura Piana. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: we had a guest over last night who wanted to drink some fine wine, mm. and it lasted into the evening. And I woke up this morning feeling, you know, just Dusted.
1: <laughs> you had a natty hangover.
2: Yeah, exactly. And coming to talk to you guys. And so I was like, okay, here we go. Let's uh let's really hydrate.
0: Jason Podcast hungover at least once a week, and it's kind of the best I can get out of him, to be honest with you. His his defenses are down. Yeah. His humor is up. Um it's kind of what we shoot for here. So you're you're in great company.
1: Yeah, you're in good the, the problem is it's just not sustainable for my mental or physical health, but it does make for good potting. Like literally yesterday, a A girl sent me a DM just like, on this episode, like your voice sounds different. It's really soothing. You should do like AMSR videos and things like that. And, like what? What? What was I doing differently? Like oh, I was like deathly hungover in Las Vegas. That's what it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's all I need to do uh, to sound
0: know. sexy. That's all you need to. I
2: do. think you could be. There's a crossover potential here between both Pornhub and YouTube. Now we're talking. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm hydrated. I've also got a really nice little Nespresso next to me and a uh, and some seltzer. So I've, I'm covering the bases. My
0: man has got the hydration. That's the white chick hangover pack. I like that. What is <laughs> what is the what kind of what kind of wine were you guys popping last night?
2: I, I hate to be cliche, but your your natty wine reference mm-hmm. was like on point oh, because the we gentleman know. who came We know, over, we know
1: sweetie. <laughs> we, that's why we said it. <laughs> Thank God I was sitting down already. But
2: girl, uh, <laughs> the friend who came over is a restaurant tour, and um, and he enjoys bringing over wines and opening them. And so it was, I can't tell you what we drank. It was, I know there was an Italian one and it was red and cold. You know, I like a, cold red so it was it was a good time
1: so how long have you been friends with john and vinnie for <laughs>
2: <laughs> love
1: those guys baby
2: the only time that i've had the john and the vinnie was at i was this is going to be really lame in terms of references but i had it at a pop-up at sundance and it was yes. really good like Sick. the plates came out and there were the meatballs and the pizza and the pasta no no, no. it's and- look it's
0: we we like john and Vinny's. we don't like that they play modern hip-hop while I'm trying to die. That's our issue with John and Vinny's. If I have to hear gold digger while I'm eating a a gym (laughs) lettuce salad, my night is not going the way I want it to go.
2: Listen, here's a question that I'm, this is sincere. Have you smelled the hand soap there? I haven't. So I haven't been to the restaurant. Is the hand soap in the restroom offensive or is it mild interesting, you know what I interesting
0: mean? that you asked this because i'm kind of a hand soap aficionado and i have washed my hands there i think
1: i've never washed my hands of john and Vinny's. So i have a bit of a problem <laughs> i
0: don't know if i've ever smelled i don't know do you, are you do you think it's a custom blend or do you think they're just or you think they're doing the, the old bait and switch what a lot of restaurants do they keep the aesop bottle but they put in their little broke boy shit you know, from, from the from the restaurant supply. Yeah, they store. fill
1: it up with a little squirt bottle of something called Mairedo. It's it comes out of Taiwan.
2: <laughs> Crap! I didn't even know people did that. I did. That's yeah. that's pretty smart. Yeah, yeah, it makes me sick to my
1: stomach. Yeah, me too. Rosecrans.
2: You know what makes me sick to my stomach, and this is in all truth. Um, and I actually once wrote a letter to Danny Meyer's restaurant group in New York about this is, you know, people don't think about how important smell is to taste. So if you're sitting there enjoying your uh, fine dinner that you're paying good money for, and you're having a great time and the atmosphere is sweet, and you go off to the restroom and you do your business and you take 20 seconds, as we do now, to wash your hands and you use the soap. If the soap is redolent of Rosemary, you know, jawbreakers, and I don't know, a sprig of uh, thyme, and you come back and you're trying to eat something that doesn't taste anything like that. Suddenly, the whole flavor of your meal has changed. So, so I got, I get pissed about that.
1: Oh so, so kind of like how the, like a, a golden restaurant rule is never have a scented candle because it'll fuck up exactly the the flavor experience. Same thing now for the sm- the scent of a powerful hand soap as we're getting into the world of. Mm-hmm boutique and designer hand soaps that are you know so powerful with their unmistakable scent it's fucking up your palate as the amuse bouche is taken away from your table
2: if you're putting so much thought and effort into all these other aspects of the meal experience just put some consideration into the hand soap that's my that's my whole argument. okay so you're,
1: are you are you are you are begging danny for a more neutral scent or
2: what 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 are you after exactly
0: <laughs> sounds neutral i want
2: nothing i want no scent whatsoever okay. i don't want scent I don't, you know, I'm not looking for fabric softener in my restaurant. Experience. Yeah, I, like, I think that's alone. smart.
0: I think that's smart. Actually, let me eat as a as a as kind of a fragrance guy. I do think the the restaurant is not the place for it.
1: Yeah, especially if you're if you're having like a fine omakase sushi meal, and you know, you know, TJ likes to <laughs> eat sushi with his hands because he learned mm-hmm. that that you could do that on Jiro. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the santal <laughs> scent as I'm as I'm. Popping that Amayabi into my mouth—it's going to step all over the flavor. No, that's crazy.
2: Listen, when in Hokkaido, do as Hokkaido. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, actually, speaking sounds, of Hokkaido, Rosecrans,
1: I—I—I I, I had a question. That <laughs> you guys, I
0: was, wait, hold on, hold on. You guys talking about Al Qaeda? We just—I <laughs> said we ain't talking about that on this podcast, Jason. Chris. Just
1: one question, and then we'll move on.
0: Okay, okay, from those okay.
1: guys. <laughs> okay. So there, there's I, I was having I was having a meal or a, a convo with my life partner yesterday. And we were talking about like, like, because we, we were just in Vegas and there's like, when we had some like really good fresh fish, when we were like eating oysters and shit in Vegas, and we we're like, this seems kind of wrong, you know, to be eating, you know, fresh seafood over here in the middle of America in the desert. Sure. But obviously now, you know, they just ship it over, you know, in, in ice boxes from Japan straight ahead and it's it's all good and it's fine. And I was thinking about the Santa Barbara sea urchin and the Hokkaido mm. sea urchin how so many uh sushi restaurants here in la they will be like oh like flown in fresh from hokkaido this sea urchin is so amazing sure or they'll have the santa barbara sea urchin also so amazing do you think that japan flies santa barbara sea urchin into japan or they're just like hell no how would america ever have uh sea urchin as good as ours what do you think a
2: uh, great question um don't have much data. Yeah, and try on to
1: make one. it. I'm. I'm not trying to make it a culinary thing. I'm trying to make it more of a racial thing. If you could just weave that into your answer.
2: Oh, okay. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> um, you know, I think we export a lot of kelp. I think kelp from American shores ends up in the, for example, the Chinese market. I think there's a greater demand for your average American kelp farmer. So, okay. why not? that's Santa Barbara. I mean, I'm not a big uni fan. I'm not a sea urchin aficionado. It's not something that I want scooped on top of my pasta. <laughs> Um, what
1: if it's emulsified into the sauce, though, Rosecrans? Mm,
2: I think you know. In preparing for this conversation, I did dig into the pot a little bit. I went back through a couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed it. Also, really enjoy. I think there's an opinion in these circles against truffle oil. Oh, like the idea of we're Truffle oil. We're or haters.
0: Something. We're haters. You're yeah, You're, in, you're right. You're right. And I think uni. I I've think got similar vibes. Uni there. is similar to truffle. I feel like it is the fifty dollar add on in a lot of in a lot of areas
1: it can be a vanity ingredient for sure and uh shoehorned onto a plate that it does not belong not, <laughs> un- not <laughs> unlike the, the very popular lobster truffle mac that we were talking about
2: oh, yeah, uh, couple episodes ago all of my main ancestors are like rolling over just throw it away it's garbage
1: but i'd like to think that truffle oil exists for a reason because at some point there was like iter- there were iterations of truffle oil that were tastefully done huh. and and delicious. I, I think that it has become this vanity ingredient, no. where it's kind of like an artificial flavor, and it tastes like shit. You know, it's like a stepped on, you know, gasoline type of vibe going on. But I, I'm sure at some point, <laughs> you know, in like the in the 1500s, people would take their fresh olive oil that they made in their wooden boxes or whatever. And they would pick truffles, and they had so many, and that that they would preserve them in olive oil, and then you'd have this amazing oil to eat throughout the seasons.
0: I'm not going to let you continue to bastardize the good name of John Buscemi's truff sauce on this podcast, (laughs) and you do it over and over and over, and I would just like to say, truff, thanks for sending me the pack. Um, I love the ketchup. I dip my I dip my fries in it all the time at home. So thank you, this thank is you bullshit. for that.
1: Chris doesn't do any of that.
2: Chris, you're a scent guy. Like I have <laughs> a feeling there might be a history of truffle oil as something that one dabs behind one's ears. You know what I mean? Like romantically uh, before people put it on fries.
0: Rosecrans, let me tell you someone. I'm trying to fuck a pig. I know exactly what to put behind my ears. You know what I mean? There's there's no question that I know what to do <laughs> when
2: you're out hunting that
1: porcini. I hear
0: that exactly. I know exactly what to do. A
1: little yeah, a little white truffle shaving behind the ear i'm hard as a rock rosecrans (laughs) beautiful
2: (laughs) so glad to be here (laughs) it's
0: it's it's great to be here it's great to be here
1: i'm ready to uh so yeah that's it that's the pod (laughs) (laughs) no but rosecrans i think
0: we're neighbors though honestly you you live in beachwood right
2: oh yeah 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 where are you in beachwood Or you don't want to give it away, but. Give it away now.
0: No, unfortunately, there are protesters. There are protesters outside my house right now, so they've already kind of figured it out. Uh, but no, it's, um. I'm I'm midway up, I guess I would say.
2: <laughs> oh sure, okay. You know what I mean? You're... I would say I'm Beachwood adjacent.
0: Oh, I thought I thought you might be a little higher up. You know what I'm saying,
2: Chris? Riders don't make that much.
1: You know that he's got
0: <laughs> no, but I feel like I feel like our man's probably optioned some shit we don't know about. Mm. I think he keeps it. I think it keeps it low. You know what I mean? You got a little Big
1: Bang bucks? You, you do? Yeah. you ride a couple Big Bang Yeah, threes? No, no, right, no. Right.
2: Uh, you know the years in the Conde Nast trenches lends you to a familiarity with certain luxury products. And and things that you put on pasta, and that may just <laughs> right. give off a whiff uh-huh. of wealth, and it ain't there. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that's not happening. Damn, yet. I
0: hate to I hate to hear that because uh, we're rich, so it's it kind of kind of sucks for us to talk to you. But I, I think that the um, yeah, I love it. I love it over here, and you're you're an East Coast transplant as well. That's right. Yeah. Did you immediately fall in love with the the swaying palm trees and warm temps, or did it take a little arm twisting?
1: I, I actually I know that Rosecrans is anti palm tree
2: but yeah please go ahead i do hate a palm tree but i did love la right away don't look at my
0: instagram bro <laughs> shit <laughs>
1: <laughs> no when i when i heard that you you had a, a venom running through your veins uh whenever you think about palm trees my uh, it felt good because my brother for the longest time like he went he went to school for like architecture and and stuff a long time ago and he would just talk about how he hated palm trees so much they're just a useless plant Yep, they offer no shade, they suck up all the water they don't belong here whatsoever it's just some useless vanity thing they ruin the sidewalks, the root system gets all fucked up.
2: I mean how about the rats that climb up them and like shit on your car? I mean I don't see Bro, bro,
0: bro, don't. The rats (laughs) I like (laughs) the true. I just like the ones that give me 5G those are my favorite ones I I don't like the real Ones. you guys relax much like truffles i don't like the real i want ones.
1: i want the fucking palm trees that give me a little bit of that brain cancer baby yeah that's what i like
2: i mean they're pretty i dig it um <laughs> and it definitely is iconic uh as part of the have you seen the new la don't branding flip-flop. that they don't put out flop on it <laughs> no but seriously like i was coming so Oh,
1: i saw the, the the los angeles's new logo
2: yeah by shepherd fairy fairly shepherd fairy made that oh obey damn, hive baby stand on, up. Shepherd. That
1: logo was a bum air, if you ask me.
2: I mean, it's cute. It's not. It's not cute.
0: <laughs> does the city need the? question is: Does the city need? Does the city need a logo? The answer is no. That's the reality. A Every city, city has a logo. a
1: logo. Come on, Chris. Yeah, but they
0: don't but they don't need them. That's that's not, I'm not saying they don't have them. I'm saying a, a, the name of the city is the logo.
1: Well, no, literally nobody when you really want to break it down, Chris, nobody needs a logo. No. You could just type it all in Times New Roman if that's what you want to do, but logos <laughs> make the world come alive. Chris, I don't know if, about you, but I like I think that art is what makes us, you know, separates us from animals. I see.
2: Did you guys know that Los Angeles International Airport has its own theme song? (laughs) Uh, It's, called los angeles international airport it is a swell country hit from like 1978
0: randy newman wrote that or who
2: (laughs) a country song from 78 is the song about our airport
0: that sounds fire that sounds good
2: i would love to google it for you but i don't have a computer in front of me but it is by a woman it sounds swell it was a hit on the charts
1: that's really cool
2: what charts yeah tsa charts Yes. i actually want to say yes. it was big in new zealand and australia uh, but i also think in the united states yeah
0: we love an international chart moment you know what i mean you 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 can walk down the street in your home country no problem but you go to germany you're mobbed that's the goal mm-hmm. That that's the that's the dream <laughs> as a recording artist i didn't know that actually but lax is
1: what a great airport you know what i mean
0: <laughs> have you been to the new laguardia
2: no but so is it worth going to bro? Well, I, bro, I, I have bro, stopped bro, flying through there, for bro. Years.
0: They got a water feature. Take an they, an got a juice, and, and they got a juice. They got a juice press. It's fire. I mean, it's you can't. There's. I only have used it to go to Atlanta because from New York because that's obviously easier than than JFK. But I was quite impressed with the updates. I have to say. Have
2: you guys been through the private suite at LAX? Do you know about this? The uh, sort of the portal for the wealthy. (laughs) Okay, Kanye. Uh,
1: I'm familiar with it. I've seen. You know, back in my TMZ days, I'd, I'd fish around the entrance, but I've never, I've never been able to enjoy it legally. Yeah, the
0: closest I've gotten is the the Delta One portal. Um, which is still not that. I know what you're talking about because they take you out in a car to the plane, correct?
2: Yeah, exactly. My um, uh, my life partner got hooked up with the opportunity <sighs> yes, uh, yes. by this guy named Gavin De Becker. He's uh, the head, or he was the head at one point for uh, Jeff Bezos's security. Um, he runs a security company, but then he started this thing in which uh, you can pay, I guess, about thirty five hundred bucks and like. Sort of you go into this obscure gate. It's like on the side, rather than going to the airport, it's as if you're driving to the beach, like you're going to Dockweiler, but you pull up to this gate and there's a dude in a bulletproof vest and he slides back the gray wall. And then like you are there parking your Honda Accord next to a couple Bentleys while you drop off your wife and she's escorted to her suite and there's a concierge. And the weirdest part is they have a private. TSA. So it's like you and like just yeah, baby. one or two TSA guards who have nothing else to do except wait till you show up. Right. Oh, God. Uh, and the rest of the time you're just hanging out in what's the equivalent of like a CVS and a sharper image. Yeah. <laughs> like you have like a little bathroom with all your little like bathroom treats that you need for the flight that you didn't bring ahead of time. They've also like passing out noise canceling headphones. They've got a menu from different restaurants you can order. Uh, and then you're just whisked off the plane. Uh, it's a pretty sweet setup when it's free,
1: and you and you you experience this yourself, a uh,
2: life partner, your, your life, life partner. partner did. Did. She was like,
1: "Damn, all this shit is for free." <laughs> I would
0: three is not very expensive for that, to be honest. That I thought it would be a lot more than that because you can you're you're not paying you're paying commercial flight fee, but you just pay an extra $3,500. Still much cheaper than flying private,
2: depending on where you're going. Still cheaper than flying private, right? And. There's also, we heard about the weird flip that people do wherein you will have business people flying into LA from China uh or other parts of the world and they've got a meeting. So what they do is they book a conference room in this little place. So therefore they land from wherever they're coming from, they don't have to deal with security, they get whisked off to the little private suite conference room, do their meeting, turn around, get back in the BMW, get escorted to their plane, get on when they want, you know, they can be first on the plane, they can be last on the plane. And they turn around and that's their experience of LA. It's just this like tiny little bubble of a conference room where they're talking about Collaborations, or whatever they are
0: doing. I, I like that. I, I'm. I'm. That is fucking twisted. Yeah, we're gonna work on our, <laughs> our, our next sneaker collab at the LAX price. Exactly.
2: Yeah, I see that for you guys.
0: That's that's look. A very, nobody good idea.
1: nobody likes a Zoom meeting, but at that point, let's just do it in a Zoom. If you ask me, the the the, the LAX to China flight is a, is not the easiest trek. Jason, think. you must not be
0: familiar with uh, mileage runs. Then
2: no, I, I know what they are. I know what
1: they are. It's not a cool thing to do. Are you guys
2: both frequent flyers? Are you? Do you enjoy Enjoy sort of hacking your travel and sort of getting the schemes going no, with the not, credit I'm cards not, and stuff no, I'm not a hacker but I Chris Chris
1: uh, Chris has been subscribing to the points guy for what how long it seems like 20 years at this point
0: I hate the points guy because he's a fucking dork, but I think that the, the, um, I mean, I just have like American Express cards that grant me Delta access and I only fly Delta, so I reap the benefits of that. That's it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't care beyond that, but I don't want to pay for luggage. I want to sit in first class and I want to yeah. board first. Sue me.
2: <laughs> so sue me. Listen, it's status and power.
0: I love status and power. Also, now I have this like, Orange podcasting kit. I've got tennis equipment. I've got all this extra stuff where they don't they don't really ask you questions when you're boarding that early. Yeah. They say, Chris, you got three bags? Come on in. You know, no big deal.
2: Now, are you carrying rackets on board or are you checking?
0: I carry them on board. One, two, or three? Just two, but I try not to bring the <laughs> yeah. whole... I mean, bringing the whole bag is obnoxious because I'm not good enough to do that. You know what I mean? Like If you're going to bring the like lot on court giant bag, you better be a fucking monster.
2: You better be a like a player. I mean exactly. you better be either on a college team or you are traveling to a tournament. That's I mean, what you I look think. silly. That's what
0: I think. And you have to need it, to need it. And my my podcasting equipment, I feel the same way, but we're at the top of our game. So it's no problem. If you want to you wanna challenge me to a couple sets of podcasting, I'll fucking <laughs> dust your ass. That you makes know what sense. I mean? yeah. Un- unfortunately on the tennis court I'm not quite there yet. So even having the rackets at all, I don't know if you feel this. It it, it doesn't give me imposter syndrome, but it feels a little presumptuous, let's say.
2: I hear that. And I, you know, I've got, similar feelings emotionally um it's also i don't travel or i don't buy matching rackets anymore i used to always buy two of the same one when i got a new racket and these days i'm just buying sort of the new version of the model that i found is sort of my forever racket like we're going to be this is a relationship it's going to last a couple decades we're going to put time into this Uh, so i just keep buying the new one but they don't look exactly the same on the cosmetic and i worry that someone might look at me and think that i am less you know obsessive about tennis than i really am
0: i mean look you're you're you've you're probably a, a better player than us, you know, so. Oh, I don't know.
1: We'll find out soon enough. <laughs> yeah,
0: we'll take, your, we'll, we'll take your ass to Glendale and see what you're made of, you know what I mean? But if you're traveling with rackets, that means you take it relatively seriously. You know what I mean?
2: Yes, I think it shows the, the passion. And it also means that like you've probably set up a game ahead of time, wherever you're going, or else you're on the talk tennis message boards trying to be like, hey, I'm here. Who wants to play with me? And then you just end up with somebody that is probably not going to be all that fun to meet up with.
1: Your your wife tells you that the hotel you're staying at has a tennis court, but then that sucks because you got to play against your wife, and you know she sucks, right?
2: Well, the trouble with my wife is that she grew up playing, which Uh I did not, uh and so like she doesn't play now. But when the you know the rust comes off, she is Mm -hmm. holding strong in the rally, and I'm crumbling and making errors. So that's the worst. It's usually more that I'm I'm hiring a pro at the at the hotel. What kind of what
0: kind of (laughs) gear are we wearing? What kind of gear are we wearing?
2: Oh uh these days i'm really enjoying some nike
0: hell yeah bro checks over stripes dog you already know mm-hmm.
2: for a while i was going all Yonex, which Ooh, is a little bit like obsessive including like the sneakers yeah uh it's a high quality set of merchandise <laughs> and i love the rockets. i didn't know
1: i didn't even know Yonex made shoes are they they are clumpy
2: yeah and they're like single color white or black but they're very very sort of just Big and bulbous, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of stability. It's a nice shoe. Mm-hmm.
0: I like that. I've seen those. I've seen those before, uh, and I like. Yannick's also made a. Uh, we saw recently a friend of ours point out they made a beautiful sweater vest, and one of their athletes is wearing it on court, which is fucking wild.
1: The seventy fifth anniversary edition. It looks right.
2: <laughs> they they go wrong in a lot of ways, but then they sort of embrace it, like the Stan Wawrinka sort of diagonal plaid short um, yeah. that then became, you know, an icon. Uh, personally, the one thing I can't do is wear a polo. What? <laughs> no, no, I can't do a polo. It's like it's just tied into my background in ways that I really hate. It was like everything that I ran away from as a kid. I grew up in the suburbs of Connecticut and it was sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, country club, country club. Uh, and it just wasn't me, my scene. And I just wanted to get out of there as fast as possible. So I can't, I have not been able to divorce myself as much as I love seeing Nick curios, you know, in a white polo over an undershirt. I just can't <laughs> do it for myself.
0: I mean, look as a polo, as a member of polo hive, I wear one, I wear one most days, whether it's on the court or off the court, and I grew up in the South, and I think we have a similar, I mean, I didn't, I don't know, I don't know if the connotation is the same. It's just kind of like preppy to me, but I feel like in Connecticut, it's like they give you one at birth, so it feels different.
2: That's true. Yeah, it comes with the Volvo, like it's inside the Volvo and your Patagonia sticker on the back and the fact that you row crew or some shit. (laughs) But like uh, before I lived in the South, I didn't realize how preppy some parts of the South are. We used to live in Chapel Hill, North Carolina before we moved to Los Angeles. And good God, it, yeah, baby, we'll show up with the super prep. Good
0: God. I got the chinos (laughs) pressed. I got the Sperry's on the feet. You know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> I got vineyard on my
1: back.
0: You know I got vineyard. I got the I got the sunglasses on the karaoke. You know the yeti in the in the truck. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think the I mean Chapel Hill. That's funny. Chapel Hill came up on our last episode. Uh, our 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 friend Emma, a British a British writer, did her like abroad.
2: Oh no shit! In Chapel As Hill. Undergrad?
0: Yeah, and I think she was like it was just insane. Like I don't even know.
2: It's a beautiful town. I mean, there's certain things that are really pretty special about it. Um, college basketball being m- one of the top parts of it. My uh, my whole wife's family um, either taught at or were educated at or have worked for the University of North Carolina, and she went there for a little while. And I mean, thank God it wasn't Duke. Well, so that's the thing, right? Because like my her grandfather, you could not say Shoshevsky at the Sunday dinner table. <laughs> like it was just a band... F- piece of jargon. <laughs> um, and so while I was living there, I really got hooked up. My uh, father-in-law has had season tickets for like, I don't know, like 30 years. Like, I don't think he's missed, I think he's missed like 11 to 14 home games in three decades. Jesus. Um, yeah. So he's a dedicated fan and he would bring me to the games and so I just saw a whole lot of college basketball but the requirement was I had to be up on the players social media because he's not exactly on Twitter let's say mm-hmm. and so I had to be finding out who's the girlfriends you know where are they going out to eat you know what's the scuttlebutt around trades coming up that sort of thing
1: so you had to, you had to sing for your supper when it came to those season tickets what did, what do you bring to That's the right. table
2: young blood
1: is what he might have said <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude you I swear like so I got when we got engaged Uh, We got engaged up in like Woodstock, Vermont, excuse me, Woodstock, New York, and we're out in the uh, countryside and we are looking to call our folks and share the good news and the cell phones aren't working and the phone in the bed and breakfast is out of operation. Uh, so we hop in the car. We've got a bottle of champagne. We find a abandoned filling station, and there is a payphone You know, out there. So we get on the phone, and Rachel is speaking to her parents, and she's like, hey, do you want to talk to them? I get on the phone. My mother-in-law, super sweet, is going on for like two or three minutes, like, welcome to the family. So mm-hmm. glad to have you here. Love you so much. And she says, Mike? Mike is my father-in-law. Uh, and she's like, Mike, do you want to say something? And there's just a pause. <laughs> and he comes in and he says, you know it takes a special kind of man to love his son-in-law when his son-in-law doesn't know the first thing about Carolina basketball.
0: Wow. So it started there. Wow. 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 this is not a got school this is not a game damn that's serious man yeah the south is crazy i mean it's hard to explain to people if you've never if you've never lived there like
1: how- you're like bro i'm from connecticut and i live in new york why would i know about north carolina basketball
0: yeah i don't care i don't care there
2: is some line i think that tina Faye had about she went into um Lauren Michaels' office and Lauren Michaels was wearing a tuxedo. And she's like, Why are you wearing a tuxedo? He's like, I am not a farmer. Why would you not expect to see me in a tuxedo? Shout out to Lauren. Well,
1: now, luckily, you've got tar running through your veins, don't you?
2: Yeah, yeah. uh, I get back occasionally, but it's been (laughs) LA ever since. It was, you know, we lived there for a little bit, and after a while, you eat everything at every restaurant, and you're just like, I need something new. So the big city called.
0: How much time? Yeah, how much time did you do there?
2: Uh, We did a couple years. We were coming from Paris, France. We lived in Paris for about two years, and we were like, We want to get back to the states, but we want to live someplace again, not living high on the hog as writers. Like, Mm -hmm. but we could live out in the country, but be near friends and family. And so Chapel Hill became the place to be. That's a that's a long way from Paris, I guess. Well, it's it's the Paris of the Piedmont is what people call it in Chapel Hill. So they have some. I've heard
1: heard that as well. Well, and it kind of makes sense because. I mean your name just seems like a southern lawyer. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I feel it's like true. it was inevitable you're going to get down in there. Yeah. Into the Carolinas with a seersucker suit, you know, fanning yourself with a Sunday church program, sitting in the spell, things like that.
2: Let me tell you I was playing, I hate to bring this around to tennis again. I know this is not a tennis pod, well, but there are not many pods that it's not, not. go heavy into tennis. Anyway, I got into this tournament and I was playing a doubles tournament. And so my partner and I would go over to meet the team that we're playing against. And this is an older gentleman of the good old boy variety. Um, and he comes up with shake hands. He says, his name is, you know, David or something. And I said, my name is Rosecrans, And he goes, Rosecrans, like the girl. <laughs> I was like, Motherfucker, what girl do you know named Bo's? <laughs> <laughs> Where does that come from? But I seriously though, like being out in LA now, it's a lot easier because people you know people grow up listening to tupac or they've seen the street name here yeah yeah uh I, most often people just are like is that your pen name or like are you an amalgamation bizarrely of los angeles place names i don't know
1: yeah that's a good point yeah i guess the baldwin as well huh i didn't even think about that some
2: baldwin hills also a fine place to play tennis but uh, i still have to use a starbucks name you know i have to like oh yeah i usually yeah. go with george <laughs> yeah
0: Damn, are you are you are you a member of Green Straw Mafia? <laughs> hey,
2: what is Green Straw Mafia? You're a buck boy.
0: That's what they that's what they call Starbucks on Red Scare. So I've tried to adopt oh that on this gosh. podcast cuz it's really funny.
2: <laughs> it's really funny. I don't I don't think you're going to get that sponsorship dollars. Which Starbucks which, which flavored <laughs> sous
1: vide egg bite is your favorite? There's,
2: there's one. There's one right answer. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to try the sous vide. Oh, uh, I mean, if
1: you love travel, that is the ultimate. That's a, that's the ultimate travel hack.
2: Okay, well, no, no. So here's the hack. I'll tell you. I was uh, I was on a story and. This was back when, remember when France and the United States were not exactly best friends and there were things like Freedom Fries? Talking about World War I, baby? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh okay. got it. More recent, uh, okay. more recent. It's on that sort of George Bush yes, tip. Yes. In any case... My uh, favorite
0: painter. Shout out to George. I know you're listening. <laughs> I know
2: you're listening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oils, watercolors, <laughs> and they can do it all. Uh, <laughs> it's what they teach you in Skull and Bones. <laughs> anyway, so I was on this trip. The assignment was go to... Uh, okay, backstory. There are approximately 24 to 26 cities or towns in the United States called Paris. Um, mm. There was this idea that we could have Rosecrans go around and talk to people and figure out what is the state of US uh, France relations by going to, we chose six places um, Paris, Maine. Paris, Kentucky, Paris, Texas, which has an enormous Eiffel Tower with a red cowboy hat on top, Uh, Paris, Idaho, which has a population of like 200 people. And then I spent 24 hours without sleeping in the Paris Casino and Resort in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, But so... (laughs) So I was in an airport. So it's a lot of travel. It was about two weeks. And I'm walking around the whole time with this clipboard. I've got a a form that I'm sort of asking people questions about how they feel about French people.
1: Baguette over your shoulder.
2: And I I go (laughs) at Salt Lake City Airport, or uh, maybe it was in Boise. I don't know. I get off the plane. It's a red eye. I need some caffeine. And there's a Starbucks right next to the gate. So I get a double espresso, which is my standard order. And I walk to the rental car. Put down the double espresso, I get the rental car, and I forget about the coffee I just bought, but I notice that there's a Coke machine. So I buy a bottle of Diet Coke, my favorite kind of Coke. And so now I have realized the mistake I've made is that I've got a double espresso and I've got a Diet Coke. And so I ended up pouring out some of the Diet Coke into a trash can and then pouring the double espresso into it just to be like, let's see how this goes. It was delicious. It's like a really mm. sort of tasty, sparkly kind of uh, booster drink, mm-hmm. um, booster which drink. then <laughs> about, about a month later, I was visiting my wife's brother lives up in Palo Alto. And uh, there was a quite a nice shopping mall, you know, outdoors, California, espresso bar by the door. And I'm in line and there's a young co-ed in front of me, you know, presumably a co-ed. Hey. She appears to be, you know, a Stanford student or something. Mm-hmm. And she it's her turn to order she says can i get a double espresso and then she says by the way do you guys sell diet coke oh. and i my ears are perked up <laughs> and they're like yeah yeah yeah, we can do that and so she takes them She said, like, well you can just put them in the same cup no and so I, I i don't know if i tapped her on the shoulder or i sort of captured her attention by doing something and i say excuse me like have you do you order that is that your thing and she's like what and i was like no no no, i'm sorry i don't mean to be like creep <laughs> like i just I, I, I never met someone else who orders it like do you have a name for it or anything like that she's like Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And then that was it. Like, I was just being super Mr. Creep, like, in the espresso bar line. Well, I mean, so I in,
1: in her defense, you shouldn't have dropped down to one knee and pulled a ring out <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> kind of what I would have done if I was in your
2: situation.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, tapping a co-ed on the shoulder these days, you got to get a consent form before you do that, even if it's just that's about right. Diet Coke. Yeah. Take it from Chris. Mean? Yeah.
1: Why don't, we, why don't we name this beverage live on how long gone then?
2: Okay. Perfect. What do you guys think? Where, where would you go with this one in terms of... In terms Okay, brandy. so
1: it's a double espresso. Um, obviously, Starbucks is known for the perfect espresso pulls, not bitter at all. Um, <laughs>
0: I have it. I have it. <laughs> okay. We're gonna. We're just gonna call it the Diet Dopio.
2: The Diet Dopio. I mean, shit rolls off the tongue. Jason, do you not? The agree? alliteration is really sweet in the mouth. In terms of the mouthfeel, what's what's? Uh, I mean. We're
1: we're not married to that.
0: <clears throat> well, they call they star <laughs> Starbucks literally calls their double espresso dopio. You can't they they don't they like when you call it that if you order.
2: What it. about a what about a
1: coccio then?
2: Where did that come from? Them using random Italian words. It's on
0: the it's on the it's on the menu. That's how they list a double espresso is the dopio.
1: I love your accent.
2: Also, is venti Italian for extra large or is it? Isn't it like the name for the numeral 20? 20. I I don't get their number.
0: They just do their thing, bro. Look, most people that are... (laughs) Okay. Most most Green Straw Mafia members, (laughs) they ain't fluid in Italian. They ain't ever been there and they ain't ever going to go there. Yeah, if you ask a
1: Green Straw Mafia member, (laughs) any of these questions will be like, yes, too many questions. All right, go to Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf if you want to be so
2: inquisitive. (laughs)
0: I don't what's your what's your local facts don't matter what's your local bean of choice Rosecrans if if you don't mind me asking such a personal question
2: Uh, love the question appreciate it thank you for uh, yeah thank you for asking that Uh, I am right now there's a great roaster actually oddly enough out of Atlanta called Portrait Uh, I've been doing the mail order from Portrait for about a year now. Portrait bag every two weeks. Portrait
0: Portrait of a Bean. Portrait was a great, um, screamy uh, hardcore band that I grew up with. I wonder if they're involved in this. Uh, but I'm I'm um. Could you imagine? There's a coffee synergy. There's a coffee from Atlanta called Perk, which is insane that they've named it that. Like Percocet, P E R C, (laughs) (laughs) and I keep I I keep seeing it everywhere. I'm like, this is insane. Like, are they trying? Are they marketing it as like I'm going off the perk? or do you think they're just I can't tell what they're doing well
1: it, I guess it depends on their branding and marketing like is it is it appealing to the you know 13 year old face tat set
0: <laughs> no it's not or no, is no. It, it's it's okay. it's I'm assuming not. it's made for my sister but so you like the perk but where are you going in LA like are you hitting Maru are you
2: hitting
1: yeah what's what's our local roastery in LA
2: I really enjoy go get them tiger um, I've been hitting them up in those feelers. Um, so get
0: we accept even though we accept, even though they have the worst name for a coffee shop, maybe ever invented. <laughs> I mean,
2: I don't know if this is like bad to admit, but like there's a, I, I do enjoy Dunkin' Donuts. I think that's like I'm fine with that. Oh no, you're not going Dunkies. Yeah, wait, is there hate for Dunkies? Not,
1: on, not, not on this microphone, brother man. What
2: are you, bro? Are you? What are you, fucking
0: <laughs> Ben Affleck? Who do you think you are, dude?
2: I grew up in New England. I mean, I went to college in oh, Maine. Oh, like, good the point. Only thing good point. Drink. you're
0: fucked. You got it. you get a donut there. Or you just get in the cold brew in a 42 ounce cup.
2: I love a cold brew. Love the donuts. Uh, I actually was for a while enjoying their croissants. and I know that's what? ridiculous. Bro, you're, you're blacking the fuck out, bro.
1: <laughs> this man lived in Paris and he's like, have you tried the croissant from Doncon?"
2: Listen, I just I love a croissant. <laughs> like i said, say, you know. So you're saying you'll you'll eat it? You'll
0: eat a, a croissant from Publix? You don't give a fuck. You're not. You you just love the flaky butteriness
2: of a croissant. I love fried chicken
1: from Gelson's. Like I, you know, if you if it's love if it's tasty, that chicken from Gelson's. <laughs> love that chicken from Gelson's.
2: <laughs> no, I love.
1: I, you know, Gelson's makes a good fried chicken. But also, a Gelson's fried chicken. You know, that's what like seven times what popeye's costs true but a, a croissant from duncan i mean it was probably 75 cents but it's is you saying it's really something special
2: i'm saying it's not as horrible as you might think and since we're on the record i do want to say that i made a slip of the tongue i meant to say Vaughn's, not gelson's gelson's i've had the chicken tenders Vaughn's fried chicken is where it's at and their tortillas. oh
0: interesting
1: <sighs> rose rose knows. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't give him don't give him his new food column idea title like for free. That's good branding. We charge for that. This is
1: grabbing me by the ding dong because I've been I've been thinking a lot (laughs) about kind of the backlash (laughs) of like kind of these vanity foods um, sweeping away these utilitarian pedestrian foods that we've known and loved for so long. Like, uh, an example is like, a like a loaf of white sandwich bread being replaced by the Juustas and the bubb and grandmas and these like challenging. Sure. You know, whole grain loaves and how. Sure. You know, I kind of miss that stuff. And like, you know, you got a big old loaf of bread. It's hard to slice into it. It's kind of a pain in the ass. You got to freeze it because it's going to go bad in, in three hours. I, and I, I'm starting to miss, you know, the, the Dunkin' Donuts as the Vaughn's fried chickens, you know, all that stuff.
2: I hear that. I think it ties a lot into, I, mean, I don't know about you guys and what you grew up eating, but like my mom was the cook, but didn't enjoy being the cook. And so the food, and I think she would be fine with me saying this to your audience, was not exactly you know the finest cuisine, but she would make a ham sandwich on Pepperidge Farm Let's whole go. wheat bread. So Pepperidge Farm whole wheat bread, mm-hmm. A little bit of mayonnaise and then some. I think it was probably Oscar Mayer, you know, deli ham sliced on top of that. And that's still my go-to. I actually ate that last night at two in the morning after I did the dishes. I made the ham sandwich. I just needed Damn, that. My man so, was tw- I mean, my ass. man was
0: twisted last night. Damn, bro, <laughs> you you had a ham sandwich and smoked a cig inside. That's fucking crazy, dude. I it's, couldn't yeah, be I'm, me.
1: I'm starting to get a picture painted of like like Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time. You know, you're just alone. You got your Wranglers on. You just cracked a Coors banquet and you're making a ham and cheese on. Pepper. Never
2: Coors. Okay. First of all, never Coors. <laughs> you can't drink Coors. I mean, you're going to, you're, if you're, if you're going to go there, you're going to go Miller Lite which is a great great beer but I can't do course. I have a
0: similar thing That's though fair. with my mom like my mom can't cook for shit and she's fine with that <laughs> and like she she's it's fine like she doesn't care it's just like yeah I do I I did it and I'm happy to do it and I love you and here it is she it's not like a passion you know what I mean mm-hmm. where and I think that I'm surrounded now by so many people who're cooking as their passion that it's like ex- right. it's like exhausting
2: Well here's a question for you guys the couples that you knew for people on As you say, life partners. Uh, Do you see more of the gentlemen or more of the ladies doing the home cooking? Fellas. I know so many guys that like care about their cast iron in a way that they, you know, seem to care about their children. Like it's just Mm -hmm. the devotion and the time and like the thought that goes into it. And also like the rage if you fuck up their cast iron pan, like you just decide to do the dishes. (laughs) You don't
0: know. You didn't know that. So many mistakes. I guess you didn't do your research, but Jason did a year upstate for you know, some domestic after his uh, after after his <laughs> oh, after his pan got cleaned when he was out of town. I don't want to talk I don't want to I don't want to reveal too much, but it was not pretty and it cost us a lot of money to get him out. It cost him a lot of money to get out. there was some damage to the house, you know, it was a yeah, whole man. thing. Uh,
1: but what why do you I'm really sorry to hear that. Why mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean what what happened to me in San Quentin I will never speak of again. But well <laughs> what do you think it is about you know you, is it is it Bourdain's fault? Is it Bobby Flay's fault is it Guy Fieri's fault like what do you think is caused this this uptick and or or is it just the the opposite of like 50s 60s 70s 80s 90s of like media pushing it into the minds of women that you are the housewife and the man is the provider so you are the cook and the man doesn't do that is it girl boss related is what
2: (laughs) yes it is girl boss related for sure uh the the person that i looked to that got me interested in cooking was jeffrey steingarten and he was the vogue food columnist before foodie culture took off before you know foodie culture was online when people were still going to chow hound and like you know I don't know. There was just the food culture was all about sort of uh Saveur magazine. Yeah. And I'm talking about sort of like New York, you know, bushy, bushy sort of food culture, but Steingarten was just doing these wild articles for Vogue uh, where he would just call in all these products or he would go around and taste all these things. And he just really set me off into sort of, wanting to like think about food and not, and that's what he's when I got me cooking too. Like I hadn't cooked before that, that, and there was a terrific magazine called uh, gastronomy that was coming out of the UK. I think it was uh, done in Oxford, which may still be around, but like these beautiful small little volumes and you're just getting weird recipes from all over the place. Uh, Worship of French cuisine, that sort of thing. Mm
1: -hmm. Actually, when you were saying Jeffrey Steingarten, I'm like I know that name, and then I was like, "You're not talking about Jeffrey Garden, Ina's husband." But then I looked it up. <laughs> he he was um wasn't he a judge on on Iron Chef or something?
2: Oh goodness, he might have been. I I think I missed that season, uh, which is to say I've never watched that show once, so I have no idea. But
0: well, you look, bro. We all know those Conde checks are a little light. He had to get his little TV bag. <laughs> you know, he had to get his little TV. Yeah, bag he was
2: to- he was the original judge
1: on Iron Chef America. Uh, and I always loved him. I, I didn't know, I mean, I, I was watching that you know when I was younger and a little little green in the cook in the kitchen. but I was always like, who is this like old guy who has these like perfect points about everything And I always looked up to him and now, and I completely forgot about him in every way. And now it's all coming back to me. I'm also Jeffrey Hive till the casket drops.
2: <laughs> Listen, one of his first articles that I loved was that he talked about in order to become a food writer, he had to erase the idea that there were certain foods that he didn't like to eat. So he came up with like a list. I think one of them was like Greek desserts. He had all this hate for Greek desserts. Uh, and so like, But he Too was sweet. training on the social science that if you try something – you know that's prepared well. I think some something like seven or eight times you can develop a taste for it. The same way that a child grows up saying, "I hate tomatoes," but eventually he's like, "I love tomatoes." Mm-hmm. So he trained himself around these seven or eight things that he had to learn how to eat. And I guess he loved Greek desserts by the yeah. end of it. I'm, I'm
1: in the middle of doing that with ketamine right now. It's still an uphill battle, but I'll do
2: there <laughs> soon. <laughs> the K hole? That he's, is a the, uh, terrible idea.
0: No, no, no. He's he's finding his sea legs. Don't worry. Yeah, it's, it's not.
1: I'm, I'm using it for therapeutic purposes only. Don't. Don't worry. Um, well, speaking of food and speaking of the bean, best bean and cheese burrito in L.A., what say you, Rose crants
2: uh alan b's is yeah. an obvious choice less obvious is del taco i just oh, love a del taco drive-thru. oh
0: no <laughs> stop flirting with jason in front of me this, this is not that kind of podcast i
2: didn't know gentlemen uh,
1: okay well question for you which bean and cheese what's your wh- how do you order the bean and cheese at del taco do you go red do you go green or do you do christmas style
2: i didn't even know christmas style was an option i go green well
1: you can you can go red and green together just to let you know Wow. Okay. No. Try just to let you just know. Just to let you know. <laughs> okay. Well, then next question: Do you ever go bold on your bean and cheese at Del Taco?
2: Wait a second. What is this like secret menu that I didn't know about? What is going bold on it?
1: Well, the same way you grew up in the country clubs of Connecticut, I grew up in the <laughs> nasty crime-ridden streets of Orange County. The hub of Del Taco. <laughs> Del Taco r- runs through <laughs> my veins. I've been going there ever since I was a young youngster. So I know it in and out it's in my it's in my blood but
0: no no pun intended no pun intended
1: (laughs) (laughs) but you you can order any burrito item at del taco bold which is the inclusion of french fries and their patented creamy white tangy sauce
2: Hua, that's almost Persian <laughs> Hoo-ah, almost Persian with some white sauce yeah sure like get some tar in there too and you'd be fully on trend
1: yeah it, yeah it has a has a halal guys energy <laughs> yeah with white squirt doesn't it
0: <laughs> yeah if you go to Del Taco in, in Beverly Hills you can going bold means they put actually cherry rice inside of the inside of the bean and cheese it's pretty cool it's a pretty cool addition <laughs> to, to the menu uh,
1: yeah just uh, yeah, a little Del Scorcho a little labneh <laughs> And it goes down a treat. Okay, so Rose, I mean, it seems like you, you and I have very similar culinary sensibilities. Um, I'm glad that the internet and the the literary world was able to bring bring us all together.
2: Listen, I love the pod. I've been enjoying the pod in preparation for this. I've been, you know, digging. I think you guys have an appreciation for diction, for an idiom, for colloquialisms that not, bro, we don't know what any of those words. <laughs>
3: <laughs> look, bro,
0: some of these other podcasts are run by nerds. Let me just put you onto that. What
2: the fuck did you just call me?
1: Idiom? <laughs> Off of, don't call. Yeah.
0: Don't call him a fucking idiom. I'll whip your ass, bro. You're right on the street <laughs> No, nah, but I think, yeah, I mean, look, there's some nerds out there <laughs> podcasting and, you know, you got to come over to the dark side if you want to have a little more fun, you know?
2: Exactly. Fuck those guys.
0: Fuck those guys. And, and you know, yeah.
1: No, no, no! I think long form is a good podcast, Rosecrans. I wouldn't, I wouldn't (laughs) talk shit on them.
2: I wasn't putting Jace. Yeah, I'm not going to put them in the hot seat. I just saw, I just saw, I just saw those dorks
0: got their little bag. They signed a Vox deal today. Really. Yeah, no, no joke. Yeah, yeah.
1: Those fucking dorks.
0: It's, I love to see it. Great podcast.
1: Great podcast. We're, they're not dorks. So we're just kidding. Yeah, Long Form is a classic one. We would never sign with Vox, of course.
0: No, no, no. We're only, we only <laughs> sign with uh, legacy indie rock labels. Um, so, you know, you can keep your little money, Spotify. <laughs>
1: or Spotify. No, no, no. No, we want Spotify money. <laughs> Editing note to Jason, edit that part out. But, well, I mean, as as you were saying, you were listening, you have been listening to this podcast a little bit. But as a a writer, you know, writer, journalist, et cetera, whenever you're going to interview somebody like a Federer or whoever, obviously you prepare, you take notes, you do certain things. You might have a routine by now since you've been doing it for so long. But how do you prepare to be on a podcast? Ooh,
2: well, let's see. How do I prepare to be on a podcast? And I guess I just listened to a bunch. And then I think I followed both of you on Instagram and started trolling through your backlogs just to sort of get a sense of the aesthetic. but yeah, it, that's about it. I guess I just have to listen a bunch. I guess everyone's sort of saying like everyone needs to have a podcast. I've heard that from our manager. I've heard that. I just don't see, I feel like there's, it takes, it takes a lot to be a good podcast right now. I don't think people appreciate that it actually is quite, quite hard. So, Damn. you know, i do you guys feel that way? Do, do you feel the effort? Do you go home tired? Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's, I think, no, I don't, I, don't we, we, I mean, we do a lot of episodes. So in that way, yeah. But I find it pretty enjoyable. Like I don't, I don't look at this as, like i mean and our research is probably less exhaustive than yours to say the absolute least (laughs) um but but uh but you know i mean it's like it's it's fun i I don't know it's like you know and i'm i was in this case particularly it's like i'm familiar with your work and it it works out that oh he has a new book out like let's do let's do it it makes sense it's it's pretty it it makes all the sense yeah it's it's
1: probably i I think it's very similar to like you know, if you're if you're about to interview you're like if like I'll I'll bring up the Roger Federer as an example again, but if you're gonna write a piece about Roger Federer, you know, that's gonna take a lot of work and you're gonna have in the interview and the notes, and you're gonna get outlines, and yeah, editors gonna come back and blah blah blah. It's a whole, th- it's a whole process. It could take weeks
2: or whatever. No, you have phone calls with Anna Wintour. You know, you like I ended up talking to her from towncar <coughs> town car because they were so concerned about making sure this goes right.
0: Damn! Now we're talking. Now we're getting into Chris's zone. I'm, I'm trying to but, build, but,
1: but to, to, to that. Well, uh, well, like when you were actually sitting down in a you know in a hotel lobby restaurant with Roger Federer and interviewing him that's the fun part yes and then all the work afterwards where you piece it together that is the that's, Jesus that's Christ, the rewarding no. part no, no, but no, 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 then no. it's you know also more difficult but when you me and Chris spend an hour talking over zoom that's the fun part for us. And then, you know, all the other stuff is kind of the the taxing difficult part for
2: me. This, I would say, is I, I hear you and disagree, <laughs> uh, but with, with, with affection. Uh, for me, go on, go on. <laughs> you know, coming on to a podcast that I know ahead of time, that the gentlemen running it are interested in food, tennis, Los Angeles, coffee, workouts, um, things that are just part of my, I don't know what we're going to say, like wheelhouse. Great. This is a familiar territory. So let's have fun. But like, for example, Mr. Federer, you know, is one of the most like fucking famous people in the world and has been interviewed a billion times. And so I was like nervous as heck going into it. And I was like, okay, so here's an example. Like I was trying to find common ground with him as fast as possible. Cause when I first saw him, he was in his underwear. Like I showed up and they were sort of trying him into outfits for the next day. he's like, Oh, I'll be there in one second. And I was like, great. Thanks Roger. And so like, you know, my stomach is boiling and like, and I, so here's the thing. Like, I reached out. I didn't quite know what I was going to ask him. And Ms. Wintour was like very clear Like the one thing I should not ask him, because she's close with Mr. Yeah, Federer oh, yeah. and Mr. Federer's wife, or they were at the time, to the point that. Well, um, too close. Actually, Roger- A little too
0: close in his wife's opinion, I bet. <laughs> no,
2: Roger told me about this. <laughs> Rogers told me that like when he and uh, his uh, life partner are getting ready for special events, or at least at this point, they would take photographs with their phone of like what they're going to wear. And then they would send it to Ms. Wing for for approval or her thoughts on on the gear. Right. So I'm now, like, I've got all this in my head. I'm sort of really on top of my nerves, which is to say, like, I'm floating above the seat. And we're in his big-ass Mercedes, like, driving off to a restaurant. We were supposed to go hiking. Uh, but then it was like, no, no, no. You know, it's snowing outside. Let's go to lunch because we don't want to damage.
0: Is he Hold on. Is he driving you or are you being driven? Oh,
2: no, no. This is – Roger's in the driver's okay, okay. seat. This was great. Okay. Oh, no, no. Listen, and Roger is a – this is funny. Roger's a fast driver. And I think, you know, you uh, can be, I don't know if it, the speed limits were in this tiny little valley, but there's also, so are you in Switzerland doing this? Yeah. Sorry. Let's do the backstory. So okay. here's what's happening. I'm in Los Angeles five days beforehand. And, uh, Rachel and I are moving apartments. And so we were living previously in West Hollywood and we're moving over to Beachwood Canyon. And my editor, uh, the great Dan Riley at GQ calls up on Monday and he's like, Hey, what are you doing on Thursday? I think it was. And, um, and I was like, you know, I'm moving apartments. He's like, well, could you go hiking with Roger Federer? Now, obviously this is like the, I've never had a question asked of me like that. I mean, this is a, I'm being taken to like the best prom of all time. You're
1: like, yeah, what time should I meet him at Griffith? And he's like, (laughs) (laughs) Swiss Alps, actually.
2: <laughs> so I uh so the movers come the next day I like sort of work with them the stuff over to the new place get the Uber to LAX get the plane to Zurich get the train to this little town get in the bus get into the hotel at like midnight Wake up. Now, nice touch of this hotel. Not exactly sort of super luxe, but it does have an espresso machine in the room. So (laughs) do that. And then I'm meeting Mr. Federer. So, uh, Roger drives us. He's like, listen, it's snowing. I don't want to go hiking. Um, this is right after, this is like three weeks after he had won the Australian Open in the big comeback Mm -hmm. where he had taken time off from the tour for the first time. And so Roger's like, let's go to this place. It's where we go for lunch with the kids. I was like, great. You know, they have a private room. So he's driving us in his large SUV. And here is where I'm like, shit, like, how do I touch base with Mr. Federer? Uh, and so <laughs> in my research, I'd found out that his mom was South African and I had lived for six months on a study abroad thing during college in Cape town. Uh, and I live with these pair of drug dealers. Um, they used to import uh, weed in these coffee cans. And uh, one of them, I threw a party one time and they sort of was like, you know, house music, sound system, black out the windows, put in egg crates. They had like three televisions, each one's showing a different Star Wars. It was like a bowl <laughs> of avocados. And of Bro, you're
1: that. describing my 20s right now
2: so there's the DJ, there's the setup and it's like three in the morning and this dude offers to share a joint with me and I was like, great. And so we smoked the joint and I was like, man, and I start feeling this tingling on the edge of my skin and I was like, what was in that? He's like, oh, it's the only way I can do heroin anymore. And I was like, well, Sick. okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I went back to my bedroom, I locked the door, I got in my sleeping bag and I put on OK Computer and just listened to OK Computer probably like 19 this, times this in a row. This is literally
0: Jason. This is literally Jason.
1: <laughs> Much like A fine wine and a nice steak, you know. (laughs) You can't listen to okay without a little HE, baby.
2: Uh (laughs) You get to that moment with Roger Federer where it's like, Oh, I believe your mother is South African. Yes, my mother is South African. Oh, I studied in Cape Town. And then there's this pause. And I was like, Well, what fucking story I tell? But he thought it was hilarious. He started laughing. Suddenly we're having a good time. And then I can get to the questions that I've actually prepared. I actually had a friend. A guy I hit with out here who is a Federer obsessive, you know, has the gear, Mm -hmm. uh, has watched all the matches, really has an emotional investment in Roger's career. And so I hit him up. I was at LAX. I was at the bar having a beer before I got on the plane. And I just texted him out of the blue being like, listen, about to get on a plane. When I land, it would be great, you know, two or three of the questions that you would really, really want to ask him if you had the chance. And then I got on my plane. Uh, and I land in Zurich and, you know, flip my phone on and he has, he's a lawyer. He has taken a legal pad and written out five pages of questions. And like, he's crossed out half of them. And it's just like, he's like saying like, you know, you were playing that match at Cincinnati in 1999. And he, it was like you and Verdasco second set. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it, yeah, I'm not sure where that story came from, but it was, uh, it was the best assignment of my life.
0: Easily, no, it's it's great, and if yeah, if you guys haven't read the story, what it was GQ cover story? What twenty seventeen?
2: Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I think if you just Google Federer Rosecrans, I guess it'll give it to you. Did you become more of a more of a Fed
1: fan after that?
2: You know, yeah, I actually. because he was a sweetheart like, and he was uh, quite funny and quite, he's a real dork. Like he's very, and I don't think he would disagree with that, you know, Mm -hmm. accusation. I think he's a real sort of like goofball in person. And so that just charmed me in a way before he had seemed so impervious uh, so I came back, I went to the racket doctor and I bought a Federer hat. I still have it. It's uh, it's ratty at this point, but yeah, I, you sure. know,
0: I'm not, a, I'm not a Federer guy, but I like how rich he looks. <laughs> he, looks <laughs> he looks rich. Where, he looks whereas
1: ex- I, I am a Federer guy. At first I was like, I didn't like him at all when he was in his heyday and I I hated the gear, like the RF logo. It just looks so pretentious and kind of douchey. Yep. And then in the last couple of years I started going back and watching old Old tennis matches on youtube just in the background during the quarantine uh while i was working and i just fell in love with with federer's style i just loved him i loved how he would like you know just do kind of wacky goofy shots and he you couldn't really tell what was going on in his head but whenever it was time for him to turn it on and he would just dominate and just humiliate people and I really related to that style of play. Yeah, you, you relate you relate to
0: it, but you aren't able to put it into practice. Rose Kranz, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. On how long gone, um, and uh, everybody go uh, go cop the new book um, it, wherever you buy books, uh, bookshop org. Uh, you know, skylight. Uh, you know, we we could go on forever. Um, and uh, where else can they find you on the World Wide Web?
2: Uh, on the World Wide Web, you can hit me up at rosecranesbaldwin.com. I hate to sound too much like a plug. I do have a, a story coming out in GQ next month about whatever happened to American men's tennis. So that's probably the next thing that's going to be hitting. Wow. Uh,
0: Let's go. Yeah,
2: it's sort of like, you know, the American women, unbelievable champions, and they just don't stop. And yet, since Andy Roddick, you know, took the U.S. Open and then mm-hmm. started losing in finals to Mr. Federer, what we've been wandering the desert. We got nothing. Yeah.
0: Well, luckily, Jason Stewart is here, so the the last great hope. He's forty, <laughs> his knees bad, and he's six foot nine. But you know, if we get him, if maybe he should go talk to Raj and see what we can do.
1: And I still beat Chris at tennis every single game. And you can check out the book Everything Now by Trans Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> and the next time you come on this podcast, Rose, will maybe we'll even talk about the book. Who who knows? Yeah, maybe
0: we'll get around to that it. Sounds great. Thank you no but honestly thank you for joining us uh, big fan of your work and we, we're really happy to talk to you
2: awesome I'll see you guys on the courts.
0: we'll see you on the court we'll see you in Glendale baby we'll send the Mercedes we'll talk to you soon You're
2: goddamn right goodbye okay, guys alright later standing in that
3: silent hall waiting for that final call says he doesn't love me signal lights, Peterbilt, and a traffic fight Getting through these doors has been so slow. L.A. International Air diplomat. College kids are trying to get back home. Baggage cart goes quickly by. see my case and I start to cry. Stumble to the lounge to be alone. And while I'm trying to get some rest, I bite my lips and try my best to fight the pain that's making me leap home. L.A. International